So hello friends, uh, welcome once again to the weekly high with LST show. Uh, along with my co-host uh, El Subramaniam Subu, as he is fondly known. Uh, we have uh, this week uh, with us uh, Srinivas Prasad, uh, an innovation and transformation leader. Uh, he was uh, the former uh, CEO of Philips Innovation Campus, a former state and India cricketer, and a member of the CIA National Committee on Technology and R&D. Of course, while his domain expertise uh, lies in uh, tech and healthcare, having invested so many years in that sector, but he can talk with equal facility on philosophy, Vedanta, and of course. Um, but before we uh, pick his brains on the subject, uh, let us uh, discuss uh, some important uh, tech developments of this week. The first being, of course, that uh, Jeff Bezos hand, has handed over a charge uh, of Amazon to Andy Jesse. Um, and the second part is that U.S. Uh, uh, leads the world's AI uh, race, followed by China and the EU, according to the Center for Data Innovation, uh, uh, the latest report from these guys. Uh, the question, of course, is whether India can become an AI superpower, because India has been talking about this a lot. Uh, let, let's tackle the first question. Uh, 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 Subhu, uh, Srinivas, uh, welcome once again. And... Uh, these are the kind of tech developments that we have of the week. Uh, Jeff Bezos uh, 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 giving charge to Andy Jesse. I think that was expected, but um, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the kind of implications that you guys uh, see. Will uh, Amazon remain the Amazon it was? Because we have had these kind of things with uh, Yahoo, for instance, when Jerry Yang uh, left. Okay, yeah. uh, when uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin gave charge to Sundar Pichai, of course, again, we had a, a question. When uh, Sundar Pichai uh, took over as uh, Microsoft uh, uh, CEO from Steve Barmer, those questions were again raised. But the pattern that uh, I've also written about this for CXO today, which is our, our sister concern, uh, that basically all those who were in the cloud were cloud leaders have become CEOs. Uh, so digital transformation, cloud, exactly. These are like paying dividends, which is but natural. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah. No, I, I think, you know, when a leader is at the helm for such a long time, you know, for the company to take the next step, I truly believe a change is required. And I think this, you know, the way I see it, this is actually a welcome, welcome change. And because if you look at Jesse, he's been, the sort of the father of the AWS business, you know, within Amazon. Absolutely. And I think it contributes to almost 45% of their uh, bottom line, you know, the operating a profit. Little, little less than half, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I think the, the biggest challenge is... It's bigger than Oracle, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Easily yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and, and if you look at uh, the Indian market itself, uh, I think it's the second largest market for Amazon globally. Uh, uh, I think it's the second largest. Yeah, market. It, is, it, is, it is. And and given the change that they want to bring in the new areas like healthcare, etc., they won't get him get into. Uh, I think that's you know a good challenge to have. Uh, the the regulatory challenges that Amazon and a lot of other companies are facing in India, probably that that'll be you know uh, you know a, a cup of tea that he needs to figure out how he's going to drink. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, landscape out here because you have Reliance, Flipkart, and that that point in time when they are trying to strengthen it, then you have those court cases out there. And at this point in time, Jesse coming in. So it's an interesting time for these guys. And the issue with Future Group, I think that's uh, that's not that's not going to get resolved anytime soon. But I think the point that you made, uh, uh, though we have Flipkart and Reliance, etc., in the space, but I do think, uh, if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the e-commerce space or the online uh, you know, uh, shopping, only 20% of the market has been tapped as yet, maybe 20, 20, 25% in India. So still there is a huge opportunity. And I think the COVID-19 pandemic last year has brought the change in the mindset of people. So I think that's a huge pie of the market that uh, probably Jesse would be looking to grab. But I think overall, uh, uh, a, I see it as a welcome change, uh, you know, as far as Amazon and as far as the Indian market is concerned. I'm just scared what uh, Bezos is going to do after he doesn't have to manage Amazon. I mean, he's going to create another monster. You know, I mean, just imagine this guy started from scratch, right? And uh, he's he's just built this this huge, colossal monster of a company, right? 
See, in India, I don't think nothing, I don't think anything much is going to change because the strategy is very clear and, and the way Amazon works is that it's not while Bezos gives a vision and so on and so forth, they have fairly strong uh, set of leaders in India. So nothing much is going to happen unless and until the future issue goes the other way, right? Uh, you know, two important things happened. One is that they got a replay from Delhi High Court, right? Coincidentally, it kind of, uh, it was the same day when Bezos announced that he is going to move to the chairman's uh, role. And the second thing is the Singapore uh, Arbitration Council is probably, probably going to announce his decision by the end of this month, the final decision, right? And the uh, Delhi High Court has already ruled that uh, you know, Singapore arbitration uh, decision is uh, valid. Mm. Okay. Obviously, there will be appeals and so on and so forth. And uh, so that's, that's one piece as far as India is concerned. The other piece is that, see, the, in, in the overall cloud space, Amazon is you know, extremely strong in India. AWS is very, very strong in India. And uh, you know, having built this business ground up, literally ground up. Okay. Uh, I think there is going to be a renewed focus on the cloud business in India and to you know, power cloud into the small and medium businesses, which is really the Amazon's you know, uh, chosen constituency because in the retail business, they already deal with millions of these guys. Okay. So for them, there could be some sort of a sort of strategic fit when they move cloud into SMEs and try to displace the Googles of the world and the Microsofts of the world. Okay, that will be an interesting fight. On the retail front, like I said, you know, it will be business as usual. They will take on Walmart. They will take on you know uh, Reliance. Uh, I I just don't know whether you know at the end of it all whether future will continue to remain because you know they are they are pretty they are in a pretty bad shape financially right uh, so to me nothing is going to change in india but i suspect that there will be uh, some kind of a focus on the small and medium businesses as far as the aws is concerned you know you you will see them fighting ferociously on the price points where google has been traditionally very very strong so that could be a fairly large uh, game that, that probably will happen. But like I said, the biggest thing... I'd, I'd like to interject over here because you made a very interesting point on the retail part of it. And I know uh, you all track the e-commerce, you track the e-commerce sector very, very closely. But uh, the interesting part is here that, uh, uh, you know, in this entire conversation, we forget there's a, quite a good company, which is Demart, which is not exactly the poster boy of online. But it has still managed to, you know, uh, fight these giants and uh, really make good profits. So DMART has followed a very interesting hyper-local uh, strategy. And that's worked well in the past. Uh, DMART, I think, did go through a couple of, uh, you know, structural changes in the last few years. And I think they've got their game. Okay. But let's not discount the fact that in this one-two game of two 700-pound gorillas, there is a thousand-pound gorilla that is coming in, right? And clearly, you know, uh, like Chinua said, see, the market has got a huge headroom for growth. You know, just about 200 million Indians are right now shopping online, okay? Which means there's a four times, or, or at least a two times increase, 2x growth that's possible on that, okay? 3x growth is possible. Uh, I think I think uh, DMART will probably do well in the hyperlocal space, but the growth that they will see is probably going to be somewhat limited, given that there are three these three giants who are going to be you know fighting it out. So they will remain a hyperlocal player. They'll continue to remain a hyperlocal player. Uh, but with influence waning over a period of time. I don't see them gaining influence. Just one, so just to, just to again go back to the, the cloud aspect of what you mentioned, you know, Amazon has, you know, two hats to wear. 
you know, one is enabling businesses at the same time competing with them. And so I think building that trust is probably going to be the challenge, not just in India, but, you know, right across the, across the world. Is, uh, Absolutely. I think, I think they've, they've done a fairly, so, so till now they've done a fairly decent job. Uh, so I, again, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting point that you made, but so let, let, me, let, let me just break this thing into two parts. One is they are going to be enabling the businesses and also competing with them. Right? That's what I meant, yeah. Having said that, there is also a chunk of business where they, do, they only enable, they don't compete. Right. That's the so, infrastructure uh, part. I think we need to be very clear about the infrastructure. Cloud as an infrastructure, right. cloud as a service, cloud. I think that, that distinction is important. So on the that's why I said on the infrastructure side, I think they are reasonably well placed. I see them fighting more fiercely, if at all. Uh, on the retail side, you know, the game is going to be at least in India, the game is going to be extremely interesting because there is a bit of a symbiotic relationship that they do have with their trial image, which a Microsoft doesn't have and a Google doesn't have. So they will be fighting, you know, four big competitors. They, on the infrastructure side, they'll be fighting Google and Microsoft. On the retail side, they'll be fighting Walmart and Reliance. Okay. And I think it'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. And also to answer, you know, you raised an interesting point. What is uh, Jeff Bezos is going to do now. So, you know, the interesting part, so, and you know the answer, and I think Shinavas also knows the answer, basically has Blue Origin to play around with Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, uh, no, actually, he cashed out, I think he cashed out 2 billion, uh, 2 billion of his stock uh, last year sometime. Huh? Yeah. No, but I think, so there's Elon Musk and there's Jeff Bezos, they're going to play around with their uh, uh, space shuttles. And uh, of course, remember that Google has discontinued the loon project, uh, balloon uh, project. So these are it, it, very interesting kind of uh, players. But let, let's see. Uh, uh, where but he's still the executive chairman, Leslie. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. So very much. He's not you know, hands off he's going to be. One thing I would just want to add in this is that if you notice in the last six months, Bezos has been dropping money into a four different sets of companies. Yeah. He just dropped $40 million into another content company, right? And I think the amount of watches that he has got, okay, and the fact that he's now relatively free of Amazon on a day-to-day basis, which is why I said that I'm scared as to what kind of new monster he's going to create now. So he's got time on his hands and he's got money on his hands. Another potent combination. Let's be charitable out here. Maybe he might create something good also because like Larry Page and Sergey Brin have been doing a lot of other stuff. Uh, Alphabet is doing a lot of uh, innovative. I didn't yes. say monster I think is a monster. Might... <laughs> I didn't say it's a bad monster. <laughs> monster always have a, has a negative I... connotation. Oh, come on. I mean, look, at, look at the beauty and the bee. The bees are probably more louder than the beauty. <laughs> 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 okay, very true. Very true. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Srinivas, uh, before we uh, sort of segue into the second uh, uh, major tech development of the week, uh, because that's a dense topic, uh, I want to ask you one thing. Uh, you were a state-level uh, cricketer. You have played for the Ranji, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and uh, Young India. Uh, uh, thing. So, uh, can you tell us why did you give up cricket and... I mean, and where you have Subhu Yautia who loves cricket and uh, <laughs> he may want to ask you all that. Like a billion other people in this country. <laughs> ah, nice. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that, that actually brings back uh, very nostalgic memories. And uh, like Leslie, it was, it was really an honor, you know, to play for the country. I think it was 1983. I think it was called Young India or India Under 25. Just, you know, I, I actually forget. And it had, uh, Ravi was the captain. And Chika, Shrikant, and the whole the whole gang, you know, except the four or five big Star Wars like Vishi, Gavaskar, Kapil, Mohinder, and I think somebody else was missing from the team. Uh, it was a first tour to Zimbabwe. Uh, I think it was a goodwill tour from India to Zimbabwe when uh, uh, Rhodesia became Zimbabwe. And it was a, actually, we met Mugabe. Huh? We had a, a dinner oh. which I'll never forget. Wow. Oh, okay. And I'll share with you the details of the dinner offline some other time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, played for the state, I think, from 1979 to 88. You know, and, okay. Uh, your question, Leslie, you know, why did I stop? Uh, they dropped me for a game. 
and I had both my careers going, so it made my choice easier. So you know, I, I had to make a choice. I was twenty-seven. No, but this is this is a large number of uh, cricketers. You know, uh, I think I think Anil Kumble was a, an engineer. Prasanna was an engineer. Chika was an engineer, yeah. right? So from the south, I see this trend of you know people pursuing their education and cricket simultaneously, and then making a choice at some stage, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. No, so no. you you were a part of the Ranji team, which uh, played that epic Delhi game, right? Absolutely. The epic huh? Delhi game, which all of us want to forget now. <laughs> and, and by the way, Subhu, we also played that epic Mumbai game, final 1983. 83, where yeah. Mumbai scored 530 or 540, and we, you know, we won that game. Yeah, I know. Because I, I was, I was watching the Delhi game. You know, Raman Lamba. You know, I, I, I'm going to interrupt both of you because I know if we, if I get into this discussion of uh, cricket, it will last for at least two, three hours. So yeah, I'm I see a very strong objection to what you said earlier, Zesli. You said that you know we are getting into dense topic, so let us lighten up with cricket. No, see, cricket is a very serious topic. Very no, serious but that, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it. So now I'm going to ask you, Shinivas. The yeah. cricket that you played in 1983 and the cricket that is being played today with data analytics, the whole AI-powered kind of uh, cricket. I want to ask you a little about that because I'm sure you're tracking all that kind of stuff. The kind of stuff that when, when you all play with raw cricketing power, today like you look at uh, uh, the entire matches, you study all the stuff. How, how, how do you find that uh, uh, big? Is it a very radical difference? Is I wish I played 30 years later now. <laughs> <laughs> no, those days, you know, to be honest with you, our analytics and our eyes were our partner, you know, and mm. the, the <laughs> runner who was on the other side of, you know, he would, he, he would actually, that's the way we would work. I mean, if we played a long stroke, you know, we would have Vishy or somebody walking up and saying, hey, look, your bat is not coming down the right way or even vice versa. I remember a game when, you know, Vishy played a wrong stroke and, you know, the humility of the man, the humbleness of the man, he came back to me, he come, came up to me and asked me, what did I do wrong? I, you know, for a second, I was taken aback. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in those days, uh, I, I'll tell you another another uh, thing that I did. I remember this very, very well. Uh, it was, I think, my second game or third game. And, you know, Kapil and Yograj were the stalwarts in India. They came back from the Pakistan tour. Mm-hmm. And they were really mm-hmm. quick. And it was a game at Bangalore against Haryana. And... I didn't know. So actually, I watched a couple of, fortunate to watch a couple of videos of Kapil and the way he slightly changes his action when he gets the ball in. And that worked. And that worked, right? I mean, today, you know, you have AI and, for example, Kumle's, you know, uh, 10 week has actually worked together with Microsoft. We have a sensor in the back that actually you can, you know, help, uh, you know, and really track the way you're playing and actually help you to improve your stroke play. But your competitors are also tracking you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Everybody's no, watching the, your game. <laughs> no, true. Uh, uh, you know, but the analytics and the amount of information data that you have today. But I think you know there is a lot more interpretation that can be done. And ultimately, I, I don't want it to become a game where you know it's a, more about technology than than the game. Uh, yeah, then, exactly. Then the whole fun is lost. Then the whole I fun always, is lost. I, I thought, always thought the Greeks always played a better game. I, I, mean, I, was, I, I wasn't there 2000 years back. <laughs> but Srinivas, just tell me, uh, was it was at that time Sanjay Parsadi also a part of the uh, Tamil Nadu team? Uh, the guy who later on went on to head Microsoft in India? No, no, no. I didn't play against him. Sanjay Pat was not there? No. Okay. It was M.O. M.O. Parsadi was part of the team. Not Sanjay Parsadi. Okay. 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 Great. So now that we have had uh, a conversation, I, I know this can go on for too long. So let's get on to this uh, second uh, tech development of the week. So I'm going to just share a couple of screens. The, according to the Center for Data Innovation, these are numbers from there, that US, according to the recent report, US leads the world's AI race, followed by China and the European Union. Uh, of course, the question that um, comes to our mind immediately is can India become an AI superpower given the kind of emphasis that India is laying down with the Niti Aayog report and uh, Prime Minister Modi has been talking about making India an AI uh, hub basically. But we'll come to that in a bit. Uh, about a little about the report. Uh, in uh, 2019, the Center for Data Innovation, it analyzed the AI capabilities of China, the European Union and the US. 
they use 30 metrics and these were across six categories. I know there are only five categories here because what they do is they take talent, research and development are two separate categories. So they take talent, research, uh, development, hardware, hardware because of the GPUs and all that kind of stuff, uh, servers, etc. Uh, the adoption uh, and hardware would also include uh, your supercomputers and then your data. So these are the kind of six categories. They uh, found out that, I mean, according to their data, uh, the, uh, the US led in four categories, talent, R&D, and hardware. China led in two, uh, adoption and data. Uh, the parameters that are dealt with, just for the uh, discussion purposes, is one is the number of research papers that come out of any particular country. But it's not only uh, quantity, it's also about quality of the research. Uh, then the total R&D spending, of software and computer services firms. The number of firms designing AI chips in uh, any specific country and the number of supercomputers. And the last point, which I think Srinivas will be very happy about, health data. So that is something that uh, is his expertise also. Uh, but given these kind of parameters, you know, what is interesting is whether uh, India uh, has a chance uh, of becoming an AI superpower. With even see, we are all patriotic. I love the fact that India talks about AI. I am I'm super excited about this ending, and I know the kind of stuff that a lot of companies are doing here. But whether we come in this kind of a league, because if you look at the numbers, a number of supercomputers, for instance, India is practically nowhere. Uh, in, in that uh, particular top ranking. It's either India, it's either the US, it's either China. Even if you talk on the number of research papers, you talk exactly. about the quality and the quantity of research papers, you talk about the R&D kind of uh, capabilities. Um, they also, India falls pretty short. So, Srinivas, I want to ask you this question because you are like there, uh, you have done a lot of work and I know that Philips and most of the multinationals here do a lot of uh, work. What gets you excited about AI and what do you see the kind of prospects when we talk about uh, AI and India? Actually, I, 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 very interesting points that you, that you shared on your slides, uh, Leslie. Uh, I mean, let me just step back a bit. Huh? You know, we, we lost the semiconductor wave in the late 70s, right? I mean, uh, due to whatever reason, you know, it's, uh, we, we, we lost that opportunity to have all the semiconductor companies, you know, manufacturing in India. And I think if we don't move very quickly, uh, I think we will lose the AI space too, you know, because, uh, the, I mean, you spoke about China, you spoke about US, uh, et cetera. And this, those are two, diff the way I see it, there are, these are two different markets with regards to data privacy, right? I mean, China, you don't have a choice, whether you want it or not, you can aggregate the data and do whatever you want with it. You have the US on the other hand, where there are very stringent data privacy laws, very stringent regulatory laws that are there. For example, if you take recently, I think uh, last year sometime, FDA, you know, FDA brought out the new uh, you know, framework for a medical device, AI software related medical device, uh, you know, in terms of you know, the approval process and what needs to be done, right across diagnostics, treatment, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, if you look at Europe itself, you have the GDPR regulations there, right? That's going to also put a constraint on them uh, in terms of how they are going to share data, use data, etc. But let's come to India. No, but now, second, before you come to India, I think you raised some very valid points because this is exactly what is uh, even the Center for Data Innovation uh, Innovation has actually pointed that out. That basically, if uh, the lead that the US has has had up till now traditionally. Uh, the European Union probably may never catch up with China I mean, uh, because of uh, the privacy laws, because it is stifling innovation, stifling it, because that it has to, it, it's, it's just trying to strike that balance between data, privacy and all, whereas, as you rightly said, that China doesn't, uh, let's say, give a fig <laughs> as far as that is uh, concerned. So, yes, that is a very big issue. Uh, and about supercomputers, I think both Subu and Will also, we have, we have talked about this on the earlier episode also, two or three major problems. I personally don't see India coming up with any kind of semiconductor, not at the rate that is required for AI. 
because i think you already you have gone down to 4 nanometers and all that kind of stuff so you require investment of almost like uh, 3 to anywhere between 3 and 6 billion dollars yeah. you require a lot of pure water which is not a man you require a lot of land so i i am not too sure how that game is over i think the semiconductor game is over exactly. i don't yeah. think we should labor that yeah. i think from the ai perspective also see if you look you listed all the parameters if you look at the parameters we are nowhere in the game nowhere right now what might happen what might happen is that we may become the largest market largest free market for ai powered solutions Hmm. which will be created by these companies the the multinational companies now would you call that an in india become an ai superpower i don't think so so the philips of the world the ibms of the world you know they will be the ones who will be creating the solutions for india and they could be india specific solutions i have no problem with that but when you say superpower you know you're talking about creating a ecosystem which fosters that kind of a solutioning i don't see that happening i mean look at your r and d uh, spend as a percentage of gdp you know yeah so that's 1% so let me give you some numbers here uh, out here because uh, so the number i'm 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 uh, again the the source is again the center for data innovation so the number of research uh, 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 i think see um, china has 24929 research papers Uh, European Union twenty thousand four hundred and eighty, uh, United States sixteen thousand two hundred and thirty-three. Of course, what the Center of uh, Data Innovation uh, does, it takes it also per one million workers. It says, okay, US has ninety-eight point one papers uh, according to per million workers, whereas EU would have eighty-one, and China would have something like thirty-two. But then it talks about the quality of research, where the U.S. led the European Union of one point one, China point eight, and uh, uh, so so essentially the quality basically <laughs> clearly uh, the U.S. is ahead of uh, uh, China. The total R and D spending of uh, software and computer services, uh, we see that there were two hundred and eighty eight uh, uh, software and uh, uh, computer services firms in the global top. Two thousand five hundred firms for R and D spending in two thousand nine, and uh, out of that, US had uh, has invested about one hundred and twenty four point five billion. Uh, China twenty three point seven billion. EU fourteen point six billion. And if you look at the number of firms designing AI chips, which are uh, both of you have just mentioned that these are important points and which we all agree, is that US has at least sixty two firms. developing ai chips compared with 29 uh, firms in china 14 in the european union look at supercomputers china 214 us 113 european union 91 okay and uh, yeah so these are the kind of numbers that we are talking about at any given point to that point lesley i mean uh, i agree subo with you know what you what you what you said that we are we are way way behind in the race but it, looking at the positive side of it at least there is some understanding and focus to say hey look here the semiconductor quantum computing ai among other things are going to be key focus areas of the government but i think the issue is in the execution of the plan right i mean uh, and again if you go back I, I, you know i think it's first to understand as to why we got to where we are because of what we did in the past now even if you look at ai the indian software or technology industry is more or less an export industry exactly And, and having been in that space all these years you no know, there was a lot of push that we would do with our counterparts in the you know wherever we worked with with japan netherlands us etc to develop a product whether it's an ai related product or a hardware product etc embedded ai to develop a product for india but always there was a question of you know are the volumes big enough to justify the product you know just to be developed for keeping india in mind so one of the things that many of these companies do which i think is a is something to learn from you know to see how india can take off from where we are uh, is to look at a global problem but look at a local implementation of the solution but by taking a platform approach whereby you can actually scale the solution to other countries and you know that actually leads me into this you know to the startup you know that that's where the whole change needs to happen right? because 
the Indian service industry, we, we as it is call it a service industry, right? You, it is a services industry. Yeah, 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 they are, yeah. They're, they're wonderful. You know, they do a great job. Whether you take Infosys, they take TCS, etc. They do a great job. But the whole intent is to service other companies, right? And the amount of business that they have from their own products, which have been developed for the local market itself, is very low. So that probably that mindset needs to change. Saying, hey, look here, developing something for the local market, you know, in the AI space. Is, is going to make business sense. But you know, aren't we already doing that? Because I think even the focus of the Niti Aayog paper and the kind of yeah, stuff yeah, that yeah, is yeah. clearly on agriculture, on healthcare, and yeah. you are very much uh, yeah. you know enmeshed in that. And I think that's a very sensible kind of approach that, okay, I'll become a leader in the AI application space because I have so much to contribute. No, no, but the issue there is, uh, I think they're not taking a holistic view, in my view, right? Because you have somebody looking at a problem, you know, only in that, in that enclosed box that they're looking at, but not looking at the bigger picture in terms of where the solution fits in. And I've spoken to several startups, you know, I've been speaking with them, I've been speaking, spoken to them earlier. The whole buzzword is AI. So everybody goes with the AI hammer to actually find a problem, right? It should be the other way around, you know, asking the question whether this problem requires an AI solution. I'll, I'll you know, uh, you know, whether it's in the HR space, whether it is in, <clears throat> you know, in the process, automation space, whether it's in the device space, etc. Uh, the whole, the, the, the issue that I see is people need to think bigger, right? You know, and of course you have some wonderful startups like you take in the healthcare space, Niramai, have you heard of it? Yes, yes. Yep. Niramai, yep. Wonderful yep. that this lady, you know, who, uh, you know, when they started off. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And nobody believed that thermal imaging, you know, when I was talking with our so-called research people internally, you know, within the research community, nobody ever believed that thermal imaging would lead us to, you know, where we are, right? I think we need more people like this. So again, it goes back to, uh, it, it goes back to the culture, goes back to the way we think, goes back to, you know, how we make believe, people believe in themselves and to think bigger, you know, I, I don't know if you could add and if you agree with me on, you know, uh, those aspects. No, no, I see as an entrepreneur, the, the, the biggest issue that I find here is that we don't celebrate failures. True. You know, because in the product space, especially in cutting edge space, you're going to have failure. And create where, you know, the failure is not looked down upon, you're never going to have successes. And that is my, that is my, that has been so my so so for the last so many years. So one second, please. If you're going uh, to develop products for India. Uh, your, uh, I think for the last two, three minutes, uh, almost a minute, I think uh, your image was frozen. You probably want to okay. repeat that. So I'm saying that the, the problem with, uh, with our, uh, you know, like you said, mindset and you, you said uh, with the way we look at things, right? I think that we have to start from the fact that as an entrepreneur, it is okay to fail. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I, I've, I've, been an, I've been an entrepreneur now for so many years. Okay. And I see, I see the kind of uh, reception that one gets when you are not, you know, a multi-billion dollar startup. Okay. Because a product space, a cutting edge technology product space is going to have repeated failures. We have to learn to accept that. You know, until you don't accept that, it is going to be very difficult for you to create Niramai, uh, you know, uh, duplicates. But Srinivas, uh, I mean, the interesting part here out is that I know that you have done some real good stuff when, I mean, I've been on the uh, innovation campus with you. We have discussed machine learning AI at length. When you look at the healthcare space, which is your domain expert, expertise, let's, let's just look at that healthcare space for now. And just talk a little bit about what is the kind of progress that India has made in AI, when we talk about AI and healthcare. Because I'm, I'm talking about this in the context of COVID, for instance. Um, I think there are some companies here in Indian startups that have used these uh, the analytics data out here, have created uh, uh, for the vaccines, basically, also. Uh, globally, yes, uh, uh, clearly uh, a lot of uh, uh, prediction, predictive uh, AI has been used. And I think they had already sent out an alert. It was a, a Canadian company that had sent out an alert already to its clients saying that, yes, 
there's COVID in Wuhan, so you should be careful. And similarly, a lot of stuff has been happening over. So when you look at India, AI and healthcare, uh, where are we? Uh, what more can be done? Uh, I, I think I think we are not where we should be. Yeah, the point number one. Uh, point number two is I think the uh, the initiatives from the government to take us forward in the right direction and accelerate our I think many of those things are in place. But like I said earlier, we need to see how that, you know, those are enabled and enforced, for example. Uh, and let me come one by one. Uh, I think there are three or four areas where AI can be directly applied and used with a lot of benefits in India in the healthcare space. Uh, probably the first would be in diagnosis, basically in decision-making. The second is, you know, improving the process efficiencies, you know. The third is uh, in the user interface and the patient or clinic, clinician interface with the machine. And the fourth, of course, in, you know, you're looking at, the, you know, pure research like drug discovery or, you know, training of nurses or training of technicians, etc. I mean, you can club the, the four broad areas where I do believe there is an immediate opportunity for India. But let me again come to this, you know, again, going by my a past experience. Huh? Let's take an example, right? AI in radiology. Right? Now, let's say a, a startup develops, uh, uh, we, we, have, we have many startups like Q.AI, etc., uh, looking at chest x-rays and, you know, telling you whether, you know, there's abnormality or not. Now, that's, that's one part of the problem. But the second part, the bigger part of the problem is how do you integrate it with the workflow in a radiology department in, you know, in, the, uh, in, in a hospital? Because as it is, radiologists are hugely taxed. They don't have time. Right? And 60% or 65% of the radiology uh, imaging that happens is normal chest excellence. And uh, if you want the radiologist to, again, well, number one, break their workflow, they're not going to do it. And number two, if they're going to have two terminals, you know, one terminal to look at, you know, their existing PAC system and another terminal, they will not do it because it's a waste of time. Many of these solutions that not just from India, I think there's a problem globally, right? The adoption is not happening to the extent that it needs to happen because people are not looking at the holistic picture to integrate it with the workflow in any hospital. That's number one. But two is, again, if, if, if you, I mean, let me, let me word it appropriately so that it doesn't come out wrong. Many of the large hospitals in India work with startups. I, I, I know almost all the large hospitals work with startups to solve a particular problem in the hospital. But again, it, it doesn't go beyond that. I mean, it doesn't go beyond that because due to various reasons, the startup either, you know, is, is squeezed so much because whatever they do, they have to do free. And they don't really get the funding that is required. The clauses that they actually sign up with the hospital that they have worked with doesn't allow them, puts them in a, in a box in terms of where all they can operate. Uh, it's, it's just the issues that are outside of the boundary of just the AI as a technology are bigger challenges to solve, as I believe in India, rather than, you know, just looking at, uh, you know, actually building an AI model. Uh, and and if, I mean, if you again go back, uh, Indians are supposed to be very good at analytically and analytic thinking. They are supposed to be very good at mathematics. Right? These are the two foundations that are required when you're actually looking at developing an AI algorithm, AI-based algorithm. But why is it not actually translating to what needs to be done in, 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 in the, uh, because the, the domain expertise that is required, because we, we, when you go to any startup, a healthcare startup, most of them you know, have some doctor as a consultant. And if you go to a similar startup in the US, they will have a particular doctor who's full-time, a clinician, you know, the space that they work in, who's almost full-time as part of the startup working on the problem that needs to be solved, right? I'll give you examples of two startups in the US and that's, that's the level and that's how we need to think. There is a startup, you know, which, which actually looking at a mind-controlled bionic arm, right? And it is in a stage where probably in a couple of years, it actually would get an FDA approval. Or you have, you know, a company called, uh, let me not get into the name of the company, which is actually looking in the orthopedic space which is looking end-to-end -end solution, you know, whereby you actually personalize, for example, a knee joint, get a 3D printed knee joint, and automatically look at robotics to actually get the knee joint printed. 
right? So the the thinking has to be a lot bigger. So that's one. The big aspect we, we spoke about it earlier, data, right? In healthcare, if you look at India, the penetration of EHR, EMRs is still very low. The standardization of data in EHR, EMRs, EMR, you know, I don't want to speak, <laughs> speak about yeah. it. It just doesn't <laughs> exist, right? And even if you want to pull out that data, and, and if you look at most of the data that exists, you know, across all the government hospitals, it's in, you know, it's, it's in paper form. It's not in electronic form. So I think one of the first things that we need to look at, that's a, it's a humongous effort. If some money can be pumped from the government into, a, into the space of converting all this non-electronic data into electronic form, right? For startups in the right form with right cons consent management, right constraints, I think that would be a... Tech giants, I won't, don't want to name any, but we all know the names. But aren't they trying to do something on, uh, on these lines? But if you look at Leslie again, you know, there could be, you know, some, you know, team in one of the tech giants working for, you know, developing a solution for the local market. But I, I would again ask the question, how many of these solutions have been actually very successful from a business perspective, right? And I know one tech giant, you know, uh, which developed a solution for the Indian market uh, in the ICU space which was a tele-ICU with an AI backend at the, you know, which, which helped actually monitor multiple patients from a central uh, hub, a command center. Uh, this solution actually is being taken to other developed countries, right? But the, again, I need to frame this correctly because it shouldn't come out wrongly. Most of the tech giants are interested, to be honest with you, in developing solutions for, for, for the global market from the team sitting in India, because the expertise is amazing here, right? If the same team focuses on developing solutions for India, people are passionate about it. Let me tell you, they want to do something for India, right? But depending on the global tech giants to develop a solution just for India, I don't think that's going to happen in the near future. No, but I mean, to be fair, I mean, some the tech giants have done work like say for water I mean for uh, uh, flood uh, predicting floods for instance. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. I, I mean uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Google did a great job. Yeah, Google did a great job kind of stuff. So probably I think you're right. I mean probably the Bill Gates Foundation and Google and Microsoft and all they can probably put there. So uh, in that context, what would you say uh, is a is a startup like Nedamai or uh, any of these kind of startups doing right? Uh, whatever success that they have achieved. I, I know that they have not been able to scale up to the extent that they could have perhaps if, if the ecosystem had been as uh, uh, conducive the way you are saying it is. Should you attribute the success of uh, these companies? What, what have they I been think, doing the right? So there are a couple of things that come to mind, uh, Leslie. I might miss out a few things, but but the top of mind is, I think the the passion, you know, behind the founders in terms of number one, wanting to make a difference in India, and staying put despite all the challenges you have for an extended period of time, is probably number one. If you look at the founders of all the startups that have made it actually big in India, they have gone to the share, uh, they have gone to the share of problems, and they have somehow stayed put. That comes to funding, right? I mean, where do they get the money from? To, you know, to continue, you know, what they're doing for a long period of time, because they also have a family. They have also have aspirations in life in terms of what the children want, what they sponsor. So funding, my numbers could be off a little bit, but if you look at the funding that's happened in the U.S. for the startups in the last year, I think it was 16, 17 billion. And if you look at the India number is probably 100 million. Am I right? You correct me. So I'm 100 million in the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't have, yeah, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge, you can't, compare the numbers. You, you can't compare the numbers, right? I mean, so number, uh, the, the second is, uh, I think in terms of looking at some of the startups again, you know, uh, the availability of data uh, and not in, inter interacting just with a particular, I'm talking about healthcare space, not interacting just with a hospital, uh, but, you know, interacting with multiple hospitals and, you know, having that upfront, you know, an agreement and understanding with the hospital to say, hey, look here, this is not limited to you because I need huge amount of data. 
So I'm, I'm going to in, in, interact with multiple hospitals, probably the second thing. The third is, you know, uh, interacting with, uh, uh, interacting globally, right up front, you know, when they're actually start, starting to solve the problem. Right? I mean, it's not that, you know, you cannot, your own, you know, looking that again, broaching uh, interactions, you know, broaching part perspective, looking at Israel, looking at, uh, you know, the Arab countries are very open, you know, to look at sharing data with, you know, many of the Indian startups, looking at partnerships in the US, probably that's the third thing that uh, I think, you know, the startups uh, probably need to do well. Uh, the, 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 the fourth is, uh, again, when, when something is being developed for India, understanding the, though the regulation is very loose in India at this point in time, for example, for an AI medical device, if it's CE marked, everybody is fine in India, right? If it is FDA qualified, everybody is fine in India. But do people understand? Because again, to get an FDA approval or a CE marking, there is a huge amount of money involved, right? And understanding the reg regulate regulatory space in which we are working and upfront looking at markets where obviously you'll be able to scale and make money. And that's setting that off, you know, with the loss that probably you would make in India from a business perspective, you know, I think is, uh, you know, extremely important, right? Again, passion, data, broaching partnerships, and the regulation, right? I mean, these are probably four things that uh, I would I would think that startups, if they if they get it right, uh, I mean, India can be in a different place ten years down the line. Subhu, any concluding thoughts? You must have already sensed the angst that uh, Shrinivas is going through at this point in time. And you, yeah, yeah, feel, that you know, I, I'm sorry you saw it in me because I, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's clear. It's, it's you know the the amount of Technology power and the the brain power that we have in India is amazing. You know, sometimes it's frustrating to see. Hey, look here. You know, why don't why don't we so just turn more. that into results? Correct. There's so much more to be done. But let me let me conclude on a a, a positive note. Right, the India stack is something amazing. Right, the UID, you know, amazing. having 1.1 billion Indians, you know, having a unique number. I think that's something which is unique for us, and we need to leverage that for all sorts of services in India. Right. Correct. You know the... Uh, and they're the, working on the health stack anyway. Yeah, so you're going to have a unique health ID. You're going to have a, you know, a, a federated PHR that is planned, right? You know, where... Uh, and also you're going to have an analytics platform, you know, and data available there for all the startups to actually leverage and, you know, for us to take it from there and move, to move things forward. But again, I come back to the point, right? You know, we need to accelerate what we are doing. You know? And also the national health policy mooted the connection of all the... Uh, government and private hospitals with a national with a with an information bus, looking at it. All, hospitals, all yeah. Things said. Too late for us to wait. Unreasonable. But the point I was trying. China and the U.S. and European countries, we have an opportunity, but are we going to grasp it? And really, you know, you know, have fire in our backs to actually, you know, sprint the next hundred meter race that we're going to we're going to run. The only time can you know tell us. Subhu, your thoughts? Subhu, Subhu, can you hear us? Well, I think I think uh, this entire AI. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah we can hear you. So, uh, I think this. I think this entire AI is not about AI. It is about our ability, willingness, you know, to really hit the high notes. Are we going to be an AI superpower? Uh, to be very blunt, the answer is no. Not because we don't have the talent, but because I don't think we have the necessary ecosystem place. All the AI talent is sitting in India, but developing things for somebody else, someone else. So how are you going to become an AI superpower? And last, last thing that uh, Srinivas said, you know, we, making, we are making all the right noises. We've always made the right noises. You tell me one time when we haven't made the right noises. We are damn good at making right noises. But do we follow through? 
that's, that's really the problem. So, friends, I think we have had a very. I know it uh, sounds very pessimistic, but then that's yeah. that's the reality. Sure. So, uh, friends, uh, I know we have had a very kind of uh, uh, passionate uh, discussion out here, and you would have sensed the angst that uh, uh, Shreen was because I know personally that uh, the way he has, uh, you know, worked uh, to, uh, I mean, done his own part uh, in trying to build that kind of uh, innovation ecosystem in India for uh, healthcare. For a man to move from cricket to AI would take a lot of passion. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you, Subhi. And I hope he doesn't so, regret that yeah. decision in the light of whatever has happened. Because I think he played uh, good cricket. He played uh, uh, in, in the AI field also. And he's got many more years to uh, uh, contribute uh, to AI. And on the on a positive note, I think let's be clear that while AI uh, India may not be exactly uh, uh, what we call a superpower, but let's hope that it does enough uh, to stay in the race from an applications point of view, because there's a lot more that can be done in the areas of agriculture, healthcare, education, and all the other sectors that uh, Niti Aayog itself had uh, 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 sort of documented in its uh, uh, paper on AI uh, in 2018. It's worth uh, reading. I hope uh, a lot of it gets translated into the actual thing. The health stack is a, uh, which Srinivas mentioned, is is an amazing thing that uh, this country can look forward to because we have done a, a great job on UPI. I'm sure we can replicate that job in the healthcare field. And on this good note, I would like to thank uh, Srinivas once again for his uh, time. Uh, we hope to get you back uh, with uh, where hope. Hopefully things would have improved uh, by then. So we'll get you back on the show to share your thoughts and perhaps you know talk a little more in depth on what more uh, can be done. Uh, so for now, viewers, uh, we'll uh, take your leave. Uh, uh, it's been a long session. We understand. Thank you for uh, staying with us. If you like uh, uh, this uh, channel, please uh, subscribe to it and uh, look forward to having you next week on the show. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Leslie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Subhu. Pleasure talking to you.